we hold our Bibles high and stand up and make our declaration, right? What you're holding in your hand is, uh, has been handed over, you know, from centuries to centuries. It has survived many wars. It has survived many attempts to exterminate it, to destroy it. So what you're holding in your hand, what we are holding in our hands is something very, very precious. It is the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's declare it. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing. To many people, I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Let's just bow down and pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this precious, precious word. Oh God, we thank you that your word is living and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword to cut to the spirit and to the soul, O oh Master. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask today that you would quicken your word to us by your Holy Spirit and speak to us and write your word upon our hearts, Lord. Each one of us. Lord, you know where we stand, Master, Lord, in our relationship with you. And Father, we ask that you would meet us at the point of our need and put your word in us and impart something, Lord, from your heart in us this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands with the person next to you and say, God bless you. Jesus loves you. And please be seated. Okay, we've been, um, we've been doing an interesting study, right, about missions. And uh, prior to that, we studied about the marketplace mandate. And uh, today, we're just continuing on, on the same lines. And uh, so just a quick recap before we, uh, before we start. You know, uh, we see that um, God is actually God of the mission. You know, this mission belongs to Him. And we see that missions is not something that came into being in the New Testament, it's not something that was, uh, you know, that, that some church thought up or some, you know, smart person thought up. That, but it's really the heartbeat of God. Amen. It's the redemptive work of God through the centuries, right, through the ages. And we see that God has been at work. And that is what uh, missions is all about. And we also saw uh, Sunday before last that this work of redemption is only through the cross, only because of the work of reconciliation, only because of Jesus. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. There is just one plan, and that is the cross. And there is just one plan, and that is redemption through the work, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And we also saw, thirdly, that, you know, primarily God works through human agents. In this redemptive work, in this work of reconciliation, of gathering a lost world back and putting a lost world back on track, God works primarily through human agents. You know, he works sovereignly like he did in the, in the case of Saul when he was on his way to Damascus and he met him sovereignly. But primarily, if you see, he works through human agents. He works through people like you and I. And that's fascinating. Because this God, this God of the universe, this God who created heavens and the earth, this awesome, all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God chooses to use people like you and I. 
And he invites us to partner with him in this redemptive work. It's amazing. It's fascinating. Now, this God, this powerful, almighty God, all-knowing God, extends this divine invitation to each one of us. Each one of us. And when we respond to it, you know, we partner with him. We co-labor with him in this awesome, awesome work. So I was just trying to, you know, kind of um, define what missions could be. So, and then this is what I came up with. Um, missions, it's all about ordinary people on an extraordinary journey with the living God accomplishing extraordinary tasks. Missions, ordinary people on an extraordinary journey with this extraordinary living God accomplishing extraordinary tasks. Ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, <laughs> and all of us here included. Ordinary people who can't, you know, who don't have a claim to fame, but God chooses to use us. Ordinary people on an extraordinary journey. The journey becomes extraordinary, this journey of life, because you know, we've signed up with this living God. With this living God. It becomes an extraordinary journey. It becomes a journey which, okay, it is a journey which has its highs, which has its lows, which has its challenges. But through it all, we have this living God in us and with us and for us so that none can be against us. Amen. Amen. And that's great news because we've signed up for this trip. And when we sign up for this trip, there is meaning because it's his journey. We are signing up for it. We are part of it. He knows where he is going. So there is meaning. There is an objective. There is an end result. There is hope. Because he is the God of all hope. So it's not just hopeless wanderings around. But it's, it's a journey of hope. It's a journey that's full of life. It's a journey of faith. And it's a journey which has direction and purpose and meaning. And it's a journey where we ordinary people, because we partner with God, we accomplish some extraordinary things. Just think about the early disciples. Ordinary people who probably never wanted to leave their town and go elsewhere. They were quite content with what they were doing, really. But because of this thing that happened, because they signed up for this journey, they did some pretty extraordinary things. And here we are sitting, worshipping that living God because of that. Amen. They did some extraordinary tasks. They who were once who were so fearful and timid, they were so bold for their stand in Christ. They did some pretty extraordinary things. So this is what missions is. Ordinary people on an extraordinary journey with the extraordinary living God accomplishing extraordinary tasks. And the divine invitation is for you and I today is extended to each one of us to say, would you respond? Would you sign up? Would you get on board? It's time to go on this extraordinary journey, exciting journey, and do some things that we've never dreamt of doing. I never dreamt, I never thought that I'd be standing here and talking to each one of us here this morning. You know, if you look at my life, 
uh, you know, how it was years back, I, I, I never had such a thought in my mind, believe me. But I signed up for that journey. And he does some pretty extraordinary things. And I can testify to that. Far above you know, our range of vision, he sees the big picture. You know, we see the seed, but he sees the tree that is in that seed. He sees that potential. He sees who we can become. He sees who we are when he comes in, when he takes over. So get ready for doing some extraordinary things on this journey with this extraordinary and living God. And you know, he has given us, when we read 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, it says that he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. He's given us this ministry. He has given us. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, he has entrusted us with the word of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, which we are supposed to carry out in our mission. And he has also called us or made us his ambassadors. Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his spokespeople. We are the ones who represent God here on earth. That's a pretty awesome task. Yes or no? Yes. Each one of us standing there, you know, going out to the workplace, maybe at home, you know, maybe among our neighbors, whatever we are doing, we are representing his kingdom. That's the truth. We are representing him. We are his ambassadors. And uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1 says that we are workers together with him. Same team working together. Can you just picture that? God working with us, in us, through us, working with him to carry out some pretty amazing stuff. And it's a privilege. It's an awesome privilege to be serving him in various ways, in different ways, And we are in for an extraordinary journey and uh, enjoying every moment of it. You know, this journey with God is anything but boring. It can be tough, it can be difficult, but you can't ever call it boring. An exciting, fulfilling, uh, uh, you know, journey with this amazing, awesome God. So we see that mission is really His project. It's not the project of some church. You know, the reason we're doing this, you know, we are trying to uh, facilitate short-term missions and long-term missions and so on. You know, is it the project of this church? No. Missions is actually God's project. It's His pet project. It's His plan. Amen. And we are privileged to be part of it. So it's His plan. So who is the one who sends us on the mission? God uses the local church. God might use the... Uh, you know, the spiritual authority to, to commission, to send. But it's actually him. He is the one who thought of this thing. He is the one who's the boss. And he is the one who sends us on this extraordinary journey, which we call a mission. He is the one who sends us. And let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Um, Matthew 28, you know, we've been referring to this uh, time and again uh, these last couple of uh, weeks. Matthew 28 and verse, uh, verse 18 onwards, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the 
So God might use some human agency. He might use the church. He might use the, some spiritual uh, authority to, to ordain, to, to send you on your way. But, but we need to know that it is his mission and it is he who commissions us. It is he who sends us on our way. Another scripture which talks about this is in John chapter 15 and verse 16 where Jesus is talking to his disciples and uh, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. He says, I chose you and I appointed you. I believe that you know, God is speaking through this word, uh, through this particular verse to some of us here. Maybe some of us here are doubting that, that call of God on our lives. And some of us are saying, you know, God, am I really in, this, in the right place doing the right thing? But I believe that God wants to remind us and, and he wants to say, you know, I chose you. I chose you and I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. So he sends us. He sends us out. He commissions us. So who are the people who are commissioned? You know, Jesus is the one who commissions us. So who are the people who are commissioned? And we see that there's just one qualification to go on a mission. Just one qualification. And that is this. You need to have a PhD in missiology. <laughs> no, there's just one qualification and it is this. You need to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. There's just one thing. You and I, we are called to be disciples, not church attenders, not people who visit church on Sundays, not people who go to holy places on pilgrimage, but people who are disciples. And who is a disciple? He's a person who not just acknowledges the teaching, you know, not just intellectually acknowledges the teaching, but also follows the teaching and the teacher diligently. He or she is a disciple. And we see you know, examples of disciples in the word. A disciple is one who follows Jesus willingly. Now, when Jesus came to call Peter and Andrew, you know, they were by the sea, they were fishing. He came and called, Peter and Andrew, follow me. And scripture says that immediately they followed him. The same happened with James and John. Follow me. And they left their boat, they left their everything, and then they followed him. It shows us that a disciple is one who follows the Lord willingly, no, not grudgingly, not with someone prodding and pushing and saying, go, 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 but someone who follows the Lord willingly. And we also see that a disciple follows the Lord willingly in spite of the cost or sacrifice involved. Now, there's a great sacrifice. There is a great cost involved. No, it's not all cushy. It's not all happy, clappy all the time. And I think you, you and I know that there is a cost involved in this task. And the disciples knew that cost, and they counted that cost, and they were willing to pay that cost because they were passionate about what they had experienced. They were passionate about what they had to share with the world about their experience. So there is a cost involved. And in fact, Paul, when he writes, he writes this, he says in Acts chapter 21 and verse 13, Acts 21 and verse 13, he says, then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. It says, I am ready not only to be bound, 
but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, that's heights of passion. There are various degrees of of various costs or sacrifice that we might have to pay. For some, it's, it's just day in and day out that insult and ridicule that we might face, maybe from family, maybe from, from colleagues, because of the stand that you've taken for Christ. And some of us are in that place. And God acknowledges that. God is aware of that. And He commends you for that. And He wants you to be strong in that. Paul writes and he says, everyone who wants to live a just life, a righteous life, will suffer persecution. But persecution can also be the other end of the spectrum. Like Paul, he says, I'm willing to be bound, I'm willing to be, you know, to be put in prison, but I'm also willing to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. There is a cost. And Paul knew that cost. He counted that cost and he said, this is nothing. I can pay this cost. So a disciple is such a person. And a disciple is also one who lives for the Lord. One who lives for the Lord. There's no other agenda. No, there's a whole lot of things that happen you know, in, 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 the, in the periphery, but the disciple lives for the Lord. And uh, we see in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, uh, we see that we are exhorted by Paul. And uh, we see that, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You know, many of us, we, we don't want to really give our all to the Lord. We think, oh God, you know, what if you know, it, life becomes dull and dreary and there's some things that I hold so close to my heart. How can I, how can I just give all that and live for you? You know, God is not a wet blanket. God is not a wet blanket. God knows. In fact, all through scripture, if you see, you know, he knows that you know that you need these things, material things. He knows that. And even in Timothy, we read, when Paul writing to Timothy, he says, you know, God is the one who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He says, put your trust in God. The one who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Can you put your life in his hands and say, Lord, I want to live for you. Wherever I am, whatever vocation I am, I am involved in, whatever ministry I am involved in, I want to live for you and life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. I can assure you that. Life will never be the same. So, we are called to live for him. In Romans 1 and verse 1, Paul writes, and this is his testimony, and he says, you know, I, Paul, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus. A bond servant of the Lord Jesus. That is how he looked at himself. He just wanted to live for the Lord. He wanted to die for the Lord. He's saying, I'm a bond servant. A disciple lives for Jesus. And a disciple is not ashamed of the gospel. A disciple is not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, there are many times that we have, sometimes we have held back, we have cringed. You know, in this setting, we are comfortable, right? You know, in this setting where everybody's talking about, you know, uh, about the word, and maybe we're talking, you know, we're doing all kinds of churchy things. We are, we are comfortable, but when we move out of these four walls, and when we are in a different environment, which is harsh, maybe, and not so, 
you know, comforting, not so comfortable? Do we cringe? Do we hold back? Are we ashamed of the gospel? Are we ashamed to say, you know, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus? Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed because this message, this simple message, is actually the power of God for salvation. It is the power of God, the dunamis of God for salvation. He's not ashamed. So a disciple is not ashamed. So who is commissioned? People like you and I. You know, we need to step up. Maybe we have been coming to church. Maybe we have been calling ourselves Christians. But God really wants disciples. In fact, we read in the book of Acts that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The disciples were called Christians. Amen. So, you know, our responsibility is to be disciples first and foremost. And the disciples will be commissioned. And how are they commissioned? You and I are commissioned with his authority and with his power. With his authority. You know, if you walk into uh, maybe an office and, and uh, you're saying, I'm so-and-so, I need to get this job done, can you help out and all that, maybe they might, uh, you know, consider your position and, you know, they might say, okay, we'll do this. But if you say, you know, I'm sent by this MLA XYZ or this corporator XYZ, you know, the response is different, isn't it? Yes or no? Yes. And why is that? Because you've been sent from that place of authority. And we as disciples, we who've been commissioned, have been commissioned with his authority. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. You know, Jesus said like this to his disciples. He said, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Behold, I give you, what? The authority for what? To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when he's talking about serpents and scorpions, he's talking about the powers of darkness. He's talking about, he's not talking about literal serpents and scorpions, but really the powers of the evil one. He's saying, I give you the authority over all these powers. You know, this task called missions it's actually a spiritual battle and for that we need spiritual authority and so God who knows that has given us his own authority amen he's given us that authority without which we cannot accomplish anything we need that authority and not only that authority, but also he has given us his power. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus told his disciples, you wait in Jerusalem, you tarry in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will be endued or clothed with power. And then he says, and you will be witnesses. You will be witnesses. So there is that power, that Holy Spirit power, that Holy Ghost power that he puts inside of us, that he covers us with, that he clothes us with, which we need for the work of missions. And Jesus is commissioning us with that Holy Ghost power because we need it for the work of missions. Because we need it for the work of missions. And if you notice something, he's saying, you know, and you shall be witnesses. 
you know, you, it, it doesn't say you shall try to witness. You know, a witness is someone who's had first-hand experience, who's tasted first-hand the power, the, uh, the love, who's tasted, tasted first-hand. It's not hearsay. He's not saying, you know, I believe I heard that this something happened. No, no, that's not a witness. So a witness is someone who has experienced first-hand. And the best part is this. When we experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and when we journey on with the continued infilling and uh, continued communion with the Holy Spirit, we shall be witnesses. There's a becoming that's happening. I don't know what's happening. I have to witness. You know, the word witness in Greek is martu, which means martyr. From which we get the word martyr, actually. Just derivative of that. So these people were witnesses. They were willing to stand for what they believed in. They were willing to testify to what they experienced, even till the point of death. And that conviction, and that strength, and that power is given to us by the Holy Spirit upon us and in us. And we need that. The church needs that today. Amen. So we are not sent, you know, to fend for ourselves and go and um, reinvent the wheel and try something and mess it up and, and etc. No, no, no. We are part of his plan. He's got the design already in place. We need to partner with him. That's it. And if we, need, if we partner with him, he sends us out with his authority, with that spiritual authority and with his power. With his power. And we see that there was this outcome of this commissioning. You know, Jesus commissioned the disciples and he told them to wait in Jerusalem. There was this infilling, there was this work of the Spirit. And we see the outcome of that work in Acts chapter 4. If you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, um, this is what it says. It says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. With great power, they gave witness to the resurrection. You know, how, why should we settle for anything less? Why should we settle for anything less? With great power. You know, power is not just the spectacular, but it could also you know, manifest in different ways. Power to love the unlovable. Power to forgive the unforgivable. That's power as well. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. In fact, the next chapter, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 5, we see that incidence of Ananias and Sapphira. And we see this phrase, and great fear was upon them all. They experienced great power. They gave witness with great power. Great grace was upon the people. And also great fear because they experience this power of God. They experience firsthand that this God is an awesome God and we can't mess with him. Sometimes we, you know, we make him to be a pocket-sized portable God. You know, our God is an awesome, almighty, all-powerful God. And, you know, I remember watching this video, Louis Giglio, and he talks about the sun, the surface of the sun. It's like 20,000 megatons of dynamite blowing up every second, TNT blowing up every second. It's just, that's how turbulent, that's how explosive the surface of the sun is. And your God and my God spoke that sun into existence. 
That's the God whom you and I worship. And that's the God who is commissioning us with His authority and with His power. And the apostles gave witness with that great power. And there was great fear, reverence, fear and trembling before this awesome God. I think we need to get back to that place of great reverence before this God. And when we read John chapter 17, Jesus says how he was sent really. How he was sent into this world. Or how he sent us, the disciples. John chapter 17 and verse 18. So this is what Jesus says. You know, he is um, praying for his disciples. And uh, he's talking to God the Father. And he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Okay. I think that's an eye-opener for us. As God the Father sent God the Son to the world. Jesus is saying, so also I send these people. So also I send these disciples. And when we go to, when we want to study a little deeper about how God the Father sent God the Son, we see that in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, when Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me, appointed and empowered, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then in verse 11, verse 21, he says, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. He has appointed, he has empowered, he has strengthened, he has done his work in me. And he has sent me to preach this gospel. That's the mission. That's the work of redemption. That's the journey of redemption I'm on. To preach the gospel, to set at liberty those who are captives, to heal the brokenhearted. It's all part of missions. It's all part of missions. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, Liberty for those who are oppressed by the devil and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 1 John 3 and verse 8 says, For this reason the Son of, Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the enemy. And that's the mission that he's entrusted to us. He's saying, you know, as, I sent, as you sent me, Father, so I sent them. You know, should we settle for anything less? And say, I know this is the mission, but you know, I want to do something else. Why should we settle for anything less? You know, can we align our purpose? Can we align our lives to that mission that for which he has sent us? As he sent us, you know, let's go and let's walk in what he's called us to do. So our mission need not be any less. It need not be any less than that. But we see something very, very significant. You know, before... These people went out before anything significant happened. There was always these moments of prayer. I'm sure that all of us pray, all of us talk to God sometime or the other. But we see that there were these moments when people got together, when the disciples got together, with one heart, with one mind. And the Bible says, you know, with one accord, the old English, with one accord, in one accord, with one heart, one mind, they prayed to God, they cried out to God. 
And God responded. God responded to that fervent cry. And great things happened. And we see this pattern time and again in, Acts, uh, in the book of Acts. And just want to quickly go through a few uh, verses here. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Acts 1 and verse 14, it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is in Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the promise of the Father. We see the work of the Spirit, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But they continued with one accord. And even before this outpouring, they were all in one accord, with one accord, at one place, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, it talks about the same thing. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, we want to speak the word of God with boldness, with that holy boldness and courage. With wisdom, of course. And we want to be filled with the Spirit of God. But before that, as we see that something proceeds, they got together and prayed. They got together and prayed. You know, there was this time of corporate prayer. And even through church, church history, we see revivals being birthed because people hungry for God, people not satisfied with status quo, coming together and crying out to God and saying, Lord, we want more of you. Lord, we want you to intervene in this place. We want the people saved, oh God. We want these people to be set free, oh God. And we see that God responds to that fervent cry. And something amazing happens. There's an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And revival breaks out. And we see that happening, happening here. And this is what they prayed, actually. You know, they prayed like this. Uh, verse 24, Acts chapter 4. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the, plots and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And we, and we go on and he says, verse 29, Now Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. No, that's something fascinating in that verse. They're saying, Lord, look at their threats, Lord. They're threatening to kill. They're threatening to put us in prison. Look at their threats. You hear that? Look at the second part of that. And, and they're saying, Lord, grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word. You know, they're not... They're not even asking God, Lord, we want your protection, divine protection. God, protect us. They are threatening, Lord. Keep us safe. No, they're saying, Lord, you grant to us, give your servants the boldness that they may speak your word with boldness. No, a, a completely different kind of people. Very radical. Very different. A very different perspective on things. They're saying, Lord, you give us the boldness because we want to speak your word. We can't help but speak your word, God, but we need your boldness, O oh God. And then they're saying, by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your Lord, of your holy servant Jesus. By stretching out your hand to see, heal, and that signs and wonders may be done. And they're saying, Lord, you know, let signs and wonders be done, God. 
when we partner with God on His mission, and when we partner with God with His task, you know, signs and wonders will follow. Because we are on His mission, signs and wonders will follow. And they are praying and say, Lord, let signs and wonders follow God, testifying, confirming the word. And we want to speak this word with boldness. And it all starts when they fervently cried out to God. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter was put in prison. And we see that the disciples were in constant prayer for Peter. And we see there's breakthrough happening that the prison doors were opened and, they, and Peter was set free. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, the same thing again. And this is in the, in, in, the, in the church at Antioch, that they were in prayer. Paul, Barnabas, there are the prophets, teachers. They were all in prayer, praying to God, and the Holy Spirit moves. He sets Paul and Barnabas apart and sends them, and they, are, they go on their first missionary journey. So, prayer precedes missions. And every time we get together, I know we pray on Sunday morning, you know, we pray for that few, you know, few minutes maybe. But really, you know, when we have an opportunity to come together as God's people to pray, you know, every third Friday we have this evening of prayer, just two hours, two hours to get together and pray. You know, can we as disciples get together and pray as these disciples did and say, Lord, give us that holy boldness. Oh God, we want to be, Lord, in your task, in your journey, in this extraordinary journey. Lord, fill us with your power. You know, it starts with that. We cannot take that out and say, God, we, you know, we want to do all this. You know, we want to see great things happen. But can the church get together with one heart and with one voice, cry out to that living God? You know, this prayer thing, is, it's not just a religious obligation, really. You know, it's not just to come and do, oh man, every third Friday this email comes out and earlier this SMS used to come and, oh, two hours, how do I get through? No, 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 you look at this. This is the outcome of that fervent cry. God is willing to release and pour out His Spirit, but in response to that fervent prayer. And when the body of Christ, when the church of God, when this community of believers, of Christ followers, get together with one heart and with one mind. We put our differences aside and say, God, we are on your agenda. We are on your plan, oh God. We want your kingdom, your rule and reign, Lord, in Bangalore, God. Lord, in Fraser in Coxtown, in MG Road, and, you know, Yalahanka, and Jayanagar, and, and what is the other place? Koromangla, HSR layout, Banargata. No, we want the rule and reign of God. Maleshwaram, Magadi Road, Rajaji Nagar. Let's pray. Let's ask God, Lord, pour out your spirit, God. Send us into these places, O oh God. Let revival come, O oh God. Let change happen, O oh God. Let it start with me. Let it start with me, O oh God. So we should not underestimate, you know, this time of corporate prayer. It's not just we speaking a bunch of words in the air, but we are really speaking. You know, transacting some very serious thing with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. With this God of this universe. We mean business with God. And God means business with us. He pours out his heart. He reveals his heart. And let's do that. And uh, in closing, I just want to read this verse. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. 
Romans 10 and verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Let me read that again. And how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a messenger or a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring, who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How can other people call? How can people call on him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear if people don't go out and share? And how can people, you know, how can people go if they are not sent? So we have several options here. And uh, not all our options. First thing is to go. To go. And you can ask God, Lord, where is it that you want me to go? You want me to go? You want me to stay? If God says stay, then the thing is to send. To send. And you can ask God. We can ask God and say, Lord, how do I send? Who do I send? How do I partner? And of course, the third thing is something which is not an option, that all of us are called to pray. So we can go, we can send, and all of us must pray. And we will see that this extraordinary journey that we are on, you know, we will see and we will accomplish some extraordinary tasks in partnership with this extraordinary, amazing living God. So really, missions is about just ordinary people, all of us, ordinary people, on an extraordinary journey with this living God, accomplishing extraordinary tasks for His kingdom. Amen. Now, in the light of what we heard, and uh, I believe that God has been speaking to some of us, and uh, you know, maybe you've been you know, toying with the idea of, Lord, yes, Lord, where do I, what do I do? And, um, you know, what do I, uh, you know, what do I engage in? And the Lord wants to confirm that to your heart this morning. And just continue. And what he has been putting in your heart, what has been impressing. So just continue in that. And I believe that Lord will open up vistas, or he'll open up doors, he'll open up avenues. And he'll bring you to places of equipping, bring you to places of impartation. And he will bring, bring you, bring us to that place of commissioning. Maybe God has been speaking to some of us and maybe this is just a confirmation. And maybe we have not considered missions at all, but God is stirring up in us a passion and a desire to live for Him, to go and live for Him, to do great things for Him. Some of us are called to go and some of us are called to stay here. We are called to send. And that's another way of partnering in, in this great task of missions to send 
to strengthen the hands of those who go to equip those who go to facilitate those who go and definitely most definitely all of us are called to pray all of us are called to have that heart that he has that passion that he has for the lost can we ask this morning and say lord i want to have that passion god i want to have that zeal lord which these disciples had god yes lord you are not a partial god i want to have that zeal i want to have that passion yes oh god let us spend some time just talking to god thank you lord thank you god yes lord confirm in our hearts lord right upon our hearts oh god yes lord yes lord what an awesome privilege lord we are we are just humbled oh god we are just humbled oh god when we just behold your glory and we just see how awesome and powerful you are that you should choose us to be your co-workers god you should choose us to partner with you in this extraordinary journey of life thank you lord thank you lord thank you oh god thank you pastor we submit ourselves to you god we come in our lives lord to live for you down our lives for you must to be fully pleasing to you at all times and in all places not only when it's convenient god but even in the difficult of places lord we ask that you'd give us the boldness and the courage to take a stand for you must thank you lord thank you lord we give you all the praise and all the glory name amen amen the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you the lord be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance and give you a shalom even as god's people and as we undertake this extraordinary journey with this extraordinary awesome living god amen we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you email us at contact@apcwo.org also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources thank you for listening and god bless you